Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, New Community Church. Um, if, it's, if you're new around here, I want to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we are so excited that you're joining us. This is the first week of our series called Jesus Is. And we're going to be in some great conversations over the next few weeks just talking about our view of Jesus. And, you know, everyone, if you ask them, usually has an opinion of who they think Jesus is. Just like you saw on the video there, um, some of them are good opinions. Some of them are bad opinions. Some people have some negative views of Jesus. And all of those come from movies that we've seen or things that we've heard people from church say or things that we've thought ourselves. And so we want to look at Scripture. And from Scripture, we want to look at What does the Bible actually say about who Jesus is? And from what we read in the Bible, how does that affect what we believe and how we act and our actions and our attitudes as we start to understand who Jesus really is? And so we're going to spend the next few weeks just kind of going through this conversation. And I promise you, you're not going to want to miss any of these weeks because um, it's going to really be a great sermon series. And we're going to start today by talking about this phrase right here, um, Jesus is my friend. That's what we want to look at this morning, this phrase, Jesus is my friend. And we're going to start by doing this. I'm going to ask you to reach in front of you and grab that sermon sermon notes card that's right there in the seat back in front of you. Or if you have your smartphone, you can take notes on your smartphone this morning. Just don't be looking up your fantasy football team, okay, or Instagram or any of that. But what I want you to do is either on your phone or on that, I want you to write the name of your best friend, okay? Who's your best friend? Just write down their name, whoever that is. If you have a few of them, if one of them's sitting beside you, write their name so they feel special, okay? But whoever that is, just take a moment, write the name of your best friend. And once you've done that, just below that, I want you to write down what are the three things, just the top three things, that make them a great friend. Why are they your best friend? So just take a few moments, just think about that. What makes them your best friend? What is it about um, your relationship there that you're like, this is such a great friendship? So what is that? So write down those three things right now. Just jot them down on that sheet of paper there. Guys, I can see you, so just at least fake like you're doing it, okay? So I feel better. Just write that down. Three things right there, okay? And then below that, hopefully you're a fast writer. You did that. I'll give you another minute or two. But after you've done that, I just want you to write in all caps in bold letters, Jesus is my friend, okay? So you're going to write that below that. So you've got your best friend's name. Three things that make them your best friend. And then Jesus is my friend. And I want us to think about that statement right there. Jesus is my friend. Is that how you view Jesus? Just stop and think about that for a second. Do those words adequately describe what you think about who Jesus is, about who he is in your life, that he is your friend? Now, if we had the time, I would love to go around um, the room here this morning and hear What makes your best friend your best friend, okay? And I think as we would do that, you would get a great picture of what other people thought or things that you're like, yeah, that's what makes a great friend a great friend. And then we would have to stop and think, or I want us to stop and think about that. Is that how we view Jesus? You know, a lot of times we have this picture of Jesus because of things that people have told us or whatever that really isn't a great picture of who Jesus is. You know, we think, okay, Jesus is, when I describe him, well, I know that he's God, and I know that he's love, right? He loves me. 
because, of course, he's God and he's got to love everyone. Or we think, yeah, he's my savior, like he's forgiven me of my sins. I know that people say that, that he came and he forgave us of our sins. But does that phrase right there, Jesus is my friend, do you think that adequately describes who Jesus is? Is that how you think of him inside of your life? See, when you think of Jesus, do you think of of him in that friendship way of someone who's just there for you? Of someone who enjoys being around you? Some of us, we're so consumed with our sins and our mistakes, we just assume, right, God puts up with us, right? It takes all of his self-control not just to zap us with lightning and destroy us, but do you view him as someone that's like, yeah, I want to spend time with that person? That he actually wants to spend time with you? That he enjoys being around you? That you have things in common, that he's a great listener, that he loves to hear you talk, he wants to hear what it is that you're saying, what it is that's on your heart. Is that how you view Jesus as that kind of friend in your life? That he believes in you. He believes in you more than you even believes, believe in yourself. He sees the best in you, even when you're not displaying the best side of yourself. That Jesus looks at you and he sees more in you than you even see in yourself because that's what a great friend does. Hopefully that's some of the things that you wrote down are people that enjoy being around you, people that believe in you, people that you enjoy spending time with, and that's who Jesus is in our life. But so many times we're focused in on these other things. We forget that true statement there that he believes in us, that he wants to be our friend. You know, tonight is the kickoff of cowboy season, right? Okay, some of you guys are excited about that. I remember growing up and watching the Sunday night football games, and if you looked at the end zone right behind the field goal, you used to see this guy, right, with the poster board, John 3.16. I mean, he was at almost every game. And so it doesn't matter who you are, if you grew up in church or didn't, you're probably somewhat familiar with that verse, right, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, he shall not, uh, shall not perish. But many of us don't know the verse that comes after that, John 3.17. And it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I started to think about that verse, think about this idea that I had written down, Jesus is my friend, and what it means in light of that verse. Jesus didn't come to this world to condemn you. See, a lot of people have that wrong image. We're assuming that God's up in heaven, that Jesus came, and he's got this long list of things, everything that you're doing wrong, and he's taking note of it. And that's why he's come. He's come to get a closer view of your life and see how you're messing things up. And that's some of our view of who God is. But that's not what the scripture says. It says that he didn't come here to condemn you, but that he came to save you. See, we understand from Scripture that God has always designed us, that the perfect plan was always that we would be in a relationship with God, that we would know who God is. That's the plan all the way from creation at the very beginning. But sin destroyed that plan. Your sin, my sin, it ruined God's plan, and it broke our relationship with God. But he so loved you, he so wanted to be your friend, that he developed this elaborate plan to rescue you. God could not stand the thought of being out of relationship with you, so he paid the ultimate price. He gave himself, he sent his son to this earth. Why? So that we could be in a relationship with him. It brings those words right there, Jesus is my friend, into a whole new light, into a whole new meaning. He wants to pursue you. He loves you. 
He wants to be there for you. He enjoys spending time with you. See, we need to start to understand those. If you don't hear anything else, grab that truth this morning. Jesus wants to be your friend. He so desires a relationship with you. He's willing to pay any price to be in that relationship with you so that you would know his love, so that you would know that relationship that he wants with you. That's God's deepest desire. And when we start to understand that simple statement, Jesus is my friend, when we start to grab hold of that truth, when you actually believe that, it begins to change the way that you live your life. It begins to change the way that you see God. See, no longer when you sin do you run away from God. You start to run towards him. Your sin and your mistakes don't drive you away from church or away from God. You start to run towards him. I don't know about you, but some of my closest friends, when I've had a bad day, I pick up the phone. They're the first ones I call. I say, hey, here's what happened today. They don't judge me, okay? They're not saying, man, Aaron, you're a real big loser and failure. I don't know why I'm friends with you. No, they're there to encourage you, right? They're there to lift you up. They challenge me. They don't hold back the truth. They don't pull punches, but I know it's in my best interest. I know that they believe in me more. They see more in myself in that moment than I see in myself. They see more in me. And that's how Jesus is. See, when we start to realize that he's our friend, we don't run away from him, but we run to him. Hey, God, this is what my day's been like. Man, it's been a rough day. God, I messed up again. God, I made mistakes. And all of a sudden, he's that friend who begins to encourage us. Hey, this isn't the way your story ends. This isn't the end of your life here. I still have better things in store for you. I still have greater plans in store for you. See, that's what he wants to be. He wants to be that friend in our life that believes in us. Not sent to condemn us. Not sent to judge you. But sent to be in a relationship with you that you would know his love. That you would understand the kind of God that loves you and that's willing to pay any price. See, when we believe that statement right there, Jesus is my friend. It makes sharing your faith so much easier. I'm not looking at someone saying, hey, your life is so jacked up, you really need God, right? Hey, you need to come to church because you're just utterly destroying your life. No, hey, I want you to meet my friend. I want you to meet someone who will radically change your life. I want you to meet someone who will make all the difference in the world in your life. I'm not having to twist their arm. I just want to introduce them to someone whom I've met and who's made all the difference in the world, in my life. That's what I'm doing. It, it doesn't become about guilt tripping someone into God anymore. No, I want you to know my friend. That's who Jesus is. I want you to know the difference that he's made in my life. See, the gospel actually becomes about good news instead of about a list of rules or religious obligations that we have to fulfill in our life. We need to understand this truth, church. Is that how you see Jesus? Just look at that statement again that you wrote down. Jesus is my friend. Is that how you view him? Is that the picture of God that you have in your life? That he's someone like that? See, when we start to believe that, when we understand that statement, it affects not only us, it begins to affect the way that we see others. When we understand this, that Jesus is my friend, wait, wait, God, you can be friends with someone like me in my brokenness, in my failures, in my mistakes, in the way that I live my life, sometimes so messed up. God, you can be my friend. Then that means, God, that you're friends with other people. See, when I start to realize that, I want to be an example of that. I want to allow God to reflect that in my own life. 
That's what happens in the scripture. That's what happened in the Bible. The disciples, people started looking at them and they called them Christians. Why? Because they're like, I can see Jesus in you. You're like Christ. You're living out that example. Wait, you're befriending people that are on the outcast of society. That's what you're doing. People were looking at the disciples saying, I can see Jesus in your life. If you truly believe that he's your friend, are you living that out for other people to see? Is that being lived out in your life on a daily basis with others? There's this book that we're using to kind of go through this sermon series. It's called Jesus Is, and it was written by a pastor um, named Pastor Judah up in Seattle. And as he's talking about this idea of Jesus being our friend, he describes a conversation that he had with another pastor in their church. This other pastor approached him and said, Pastor Judah, do you know any pimps? And he's like, I was kind of taken back, and I was like, no. And he's like, hey, do you, like, are you friends with any drug dealers or crackheads? And he's like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. And then this guy asked him, well, do you know any prostitutes, like any exotic dancers? And Pastor Judah said, I felt offended in that moment. Like, what does this guy think about me? And he's like, I kind of puffed out my chest, and I'm like, no, I don't know any of them. And he said, this other pastor just hung his head in shame and said, yeah, I don't either. I think that's the problem with our church. He said, as I look at the Bible, I see the relationships that Jesus had, and my life isn't like that. I'm not that example to other people. See, church, if you truly believe that Jesus came to befriend us, you'll start to look at the Gospels and you'll see who he made friends with, the broken and the outcast. And when we see that, we have to look at our lives and say, God, is my life reflecting that? Is that an example of my life or, or am I only surrounding myself with people that seem to have it all together? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9 because I want us to look at an example of this. And we're going to read in Matthew chapter 9 starting at verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. And you can reach down, you can take out that Bible and it's on page 527. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus is traveling from one town to another. And this is what it says. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and follow him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and the disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We look at Jesus. Who does he befriend? Who's he with in this situation who is he with in this story over and over again in the gospels we see jesus being associated with people that were on the outside of society you've got a tax collector here who all the jewish people hated they were on the fringe it's they felt like tax collectors had sold themselves out to the roman government and they were working against all of the people in that community and so they were hated by everyone you've got sinners and drunkards and prostitutes a matter of fact at one point they're even calling jesus this they're saying, Jesus, man, he's just a drunken fool. That's what they thought of him. And Jesus befriends them. Jesus is willing 
to eat dinner with them. He's willing to be associated with them because he wants them to understand what it looks like to have the kingdom of God at work inside of their life. So Jesus isn't concerned about his reputation. He's concerned about their redemption. Is that what your life looks like? Are you holding on to your reputation so much that you're missing the ministry opportunities all around you? You're missing people that are hurting. You're missing people that are broken all around you. Does your life look like Christ? Are you befriending those that are broken and those that are outcast? Because it may, may mean your reputation for their redemption. It may mean being associated with some people who others look down on so that you can bring the kingdom of God into their life. So that you can show them who Jesus really is. So that they can know a relationship with God. So they can know the love of God at work inside of their life. I can remember being in the sixth grade and um, I had lived in a town called Shirley, Arkansas. And at that point in my sixth grade year, we moved um, to North Little Rock. It was a town called BB. It's just a little bit north um, of Little Rock, Arkansas. And the first day, I remember getting on the bus, and I was looking around, and the bus is pretty full, and there was one seat open in the front, and so I sat down, and there was this girl sitting there. Her name was Monica. So I was new, so I just struck up a conversation with Monica and kind of became friends. And over the next few weeks, like, I would talk to her and hang out with her. She was in a few of my classes. And I'll never forget one day, a few of my friends kind of surrounded me on the playground, and they're like, Aaron, why do you spend time, or why do you talk to Monica? Why do you want to be her friend? I was like, oh, she was nice to me. I, she was one of the first people that I met. And they were like, oh, you don't want to be friends with Monica. They begin to tell me like, hey, her family's like this. And this is what she's like. She's kind of the weirdo in the class. No one really talks to her. No one's ever nice to her. Aaron, if you spend time with her, people are going to think you're like her. And as a sixth grader, I kind of took a step back. I would love to tell you, oh, I was a pastor's kid. And so I did the right thing, but I didn't. I started avoiding Monica. I didn't really talk to her. Stopped sitting by her on the bus. Stopped talking to her at class or any of those things because I was more concerned with what people thought about me. And the truth is, even as adults, we do that same thing that I did as a sixth grader. We're more concerned with our reputation many times, what people will say about us, what people will think about us, than really bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives who are hurting and who are broken. We're more concerned with how people view us. We're like the Pharisees in this story. We're asking questions. Well, why would you spend time with them? We're more concerned with people's ideas about us, what they'll say about us, than really meeting the needs in people's life, than really being a reflection of who Jesus has been in our life. We're keeping ourselves back. We're holding them at an arm's length because we don't know what other people will say. Church, do you really believe that, that he's been your friend? Because if you do, it changes the way that you see other people. It'll change the way that you interact with other people. And you look at the life of Jesus, you look at him, and his life was attractive to those kinds of people, weren't they? You look at his life, he's invited to the party. I promise you, you don't invite the religious stuck-up person to the party, right? They're going to kill the party, you don't do that. So there must have been something different about Jesus. There must have been something unique about his life that tax collectors and sinners, people that were on the outside, were willing to have him come. We're inviting Jesus, come over to my house. I'm having friends over and I want you there. See, is that the kind of Christianity that you're living out? I want to tell you this, church. If the gospel you're living is not attractive to sinners, 
it may not be the same one that Jesus was preaching. If your life is not attractive to sinners and to people that are hurting and to people that are broken, you may not be the the example that Christ has called you to be because that's how Jesus was. People were coming around him who were on the outside who were broken. Why? Because he accepted them. He had hope and he had love that he was living out in their life and they wanted to be a part of that. That should be what describes our life, church. That should be what our life looks like. Now, what am I asking you to do? I'm not telling you this afternoon to go get in your car, to drive around Mesquite in East Dallas, to pull over on the side and ask someone if they're a prostitute, okay? Do not do that. Don't go to a shady house. Don't knock on the door and say, do you guys sell drugs here, okay? That's not what we're talking about. I can promise you this, they're already there in your life. People that are isolated, people that are hurting, people that are broken, even people that are outcasts. You're probably around them. The sad thing is sometimes we don't notice them the way Jesus noticed them. And what we are asking you to do is to be a church that realize the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us and that we would do everything that we can to reach out to those around us and be that kind of example to them. That we would do everything that we can to reach out and to love people, to show them that example of what it means that Christ is our friend. And so they're there, they're there in your workplace. They're the people that are kind of isolated. They're alone. They're there in your school. They're the people that no one else wants to sit by, the ones that no one wants to talk to. Are you willing to be Jesus and to reach out to them? And to be that example of God's love in their life, even when they're hurting, even when they're not perfect. Even when they're flawed and they're full of mistakes, are you willing to love them like Christ loved us? Because that's the example. When we truly believe that statement, Jesus is my friend, it changes the way we interact with others around us. I want to show you this last thing that I see in the life of Jesus as he's befriending people that are broken, as he's befriending sinners, as he's spending time with them. And the story is found in Luke chapter 19. We're going to start reading at verse 1. If you still have that Bible open, you can turn to page 570 in that Bible. But Jesus is passing through this town. He's on his way to Jerusalem. There's a crowd of people around him. There's his friends and there's people that just want to be around Jesus. And then we find this story that Luke gives us in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was so small in stature. And so he ran on ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I look at Jesus. He's not afraid of what others think. He's not afraid to invite himself into the household of someone that everyone else held at a distance, that everyone else said, hey, you can't be around that person. Jesus says, no, that's who I'm going to reach out to. And when he does that, when Jesus 
befriends them, it makes all the difference in the world in Zacchaeus' life. Jesus doesn't have to pull out this list. Now, Zacchaeus, you've stole from people. You've defrauded people. You've kept some money. You've done all of these things. Jesus didn't have to say any of that. He was just around Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden, the change in the transformation began to happen. Why? Jesus was an influencer. Is that the way it is in your life? With the people that you're around, with the people that you spend time with, is God using you to bring that transformation, to bring that influence in the life of others? Because we see that as Jesus loves them, as he opens up his life, as he welcomes them in, into friendship, the change begins to happen. And he doesn't have to go down this long list. It's something that's automatic. See, we need to be that kind of influence in the life of others. I, growing up, really didn't have an NFL team that I rooted for, okay? We moved around a lot, so I usually just ended up rooting for whoever was closest. In New Jersey, when I lived there, we rooted for the Giants, and, you know, we lived in Illinois. I rooted for the St. Louis Rams for a little bit, and so when we moved to Dallas, I thought, I'm going to become a Cowboys fan, right? That's who I'm going to be, yes. Okay, some of you guys agree with that. So I thought, hey, I'll become a Cowboys fan. However, my wife grew up around Green Bay, and her family are big Packers fans. And after a few Sundays of rooting for the Cowboys, my wife came to me and influenced me that that was not going to work in my household. And I'm sad to tell you, but I am a Packers fan living in Texas because it's what helps make peace in our house. My wife influenced me in that way, and that's kind of something funny, but... Man, I was thinking about that, and I thought, are we doing that in the life of people that we're around? People that you interact with in maybe more serious or weighty matters in their life? Are you helping them to understand what it means for them to live for the kingdom of God? Are you that kind of friend that Jesus has been in your life? A friend that shows grace, that shows love, that believes the best in them? that even challenges them at some points because you believe that they can do better? Are you the kind of friend to them that Christ has been to you? Are you willing at times to sacrifice your reputation and what people may say of you to reach out to people that are broken and that are hurting, that are on the edges or the fringes of society because they need to experience the love of God the way that you have? Are you willing to do that, church? See, that simple statement that you wrote down at the beginning, Jesus is my friend, when you truly believe that, when you truly start to understand that, it makes all the difference in the world in your life. It changes things. It changes the way that you see God. It changes the way that you interact with others. That simple statement there, Jesus is my friend. I realize that he loves me, that he's for me, not against me. And that he desires the best for my life, just like any other friend would in my life. And I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to start by praying and asking if there's anyone here in the room this morning. And maybe your view of what Jesus is has been different than what I described this morning. Maybe for you, as you've thought about that, You've thought about a God who, once again, has a list of rules that you have to follow to try to make it into heaven. Maybe for you, it's not a God that loves you or that wants a relationship with you. It's just kind of a religious obligation that you fulfill. 
And this morning as I've been talking, God's Spirit has been speaking to you. You sense it in your heart on the inside that this is a God who loves you, who has your best interest in mind, who believes in you. And if that's you and you're here this morning and you're saying, Aaron, I don't have a relationship with God. I've either walked away from that or I've never had a relationship, but I know I need that this morning. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and to come forward to the altar. I want to pray for you. The word of God is very clear. It says all of us are broken. All of us have fallen short of God's plan for our life. We've all wrecked that relationship that Christ wants with us. And there's nothing we can do to fix it on our own. But the good news is we don't have to. Jesus has come. He's paid the price for your sin, for my sin, so that once again we could be restored into a right relationship with God. And if that's you this morning, God's speaking to you. You know that you need that fresh start. You need a brand new life in Christ. Right now, would you just stand up right where you're sitting at and come forward? Come down the aisles. I want to pray for you this morning. That's you. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this chance. If God's Spirit is speaking to you, respond right now. He wants to give you that fresh start. He wants to give you that brand new life. Anyone at all, wait just another moment or two. If God's speaking to you, I don't want you to miss this chance. Well, if there's no one here this morning in that situation... I want to pray for all of us as a church. And as I lead out in prayer, I want you to just ask God this simple question. God, how do I become a friend of people who you were friends with, Lord? What does that look like in my life? And as I'm praying, I just want you to listen to the voice of God. I want him to speak to your heart that this week he would help us to be that kind of church that befriends the broken, that befriends the outcast that we would love in the way that Christ has loved us, loved us, and it would bring change and transformation to others. Let's pray this morning together, church. Jesus, we come to you, Lord, and I thank you for the example that you gave in your word, Lord. God, I thank you that even when I was broken, Lord, when each of us were far away from you, Lord, that you loved us, you pursued us, God, that you came after us. And this morning, Lord, I'm asking, help us to be a church like that. Lord, this week, God, in our workplace, in school, Lord, in our neighborhood, with our family, Lord, help us to be people who resemble, God, your kind of love, Lord, that we befriend the broken and the outcast, Lord. Let us be a church that as we open up our lives, Lord, as we share life, Lord, with people that are hurting, that it would change them. It would bring transformation in their life, Lord. Help us to be that kind of church. We pray this in your name. Amen.